Jason, I've known you for a few years now. I've seen what you've done. I know your story. I know what you're doing. First of all, I want to thank you for coming on and kind of sharing your story because there's, you, I think you have a unique story that is unique to you, but is completely relatable to a lot of people in corporate world or in their job. And you've made that transition through buying real estate. And I don't want to give too much away, but hey, do you mind telling us a little bit of what got you interested in real estate? Yeah. Uh, it probably started because like everybody else, you hate your job, right? Yeah. And you're like, how do I get out of this? And another job is probably going to have the same kind of like problems, right? All jobs just kind of suck. So I was like, what is the way out of this? How are people being like financially independent? And everybody that I like studied was doing it the real estate. So I'm like, man, I guess that's my way. From there, I just started like listening to podcasts and attending meetups and reading books and just trying to figure out how I could start making money in real estate. And um, yeah, that was, uh, man, that was a while ago, probably 2011 is kind of when I first thought about getting started, but I didn't actually pull the trigger until 2015. Okay. So what kept you from pulling the trigger earlier? Um, so I was putting out bandit signs in 2011. I started and yeah. then the police caught me putting out <laughs> bandit signs at one in the morning in Hearst and my wife really? was driving. Yeah. My wife was driving the car and I was popping the out. Getaway the, car, the getaway yeah, car. The getaway car. Yeah, dude. She did popped the trunk open. No, she didn't leave me. <laughs> she popped the trunk and I'd hammer that sign in. And then uh, a police officer rolled around and caught, caught us and pulled us over. And he opened the back door of his car up and it was full of bandit signs from everybody, not just me, everybody. Yeah. So this dude like hated bandit signs, threatened to arrest me and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Forget this. I'm not doing real estate again. Right. I'm done. What did your in-laws say? Like, why, why did my daughter get yeah. involved with this guy? I was probably not like a, a prime candidate for their daughter at that point. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, man, I had to find a way to do it. So I, I tried again. So what was, what was the thing? What was the first thing you did? The first real estate move you made? I started sending out postcards instead okay. of doing the bandit sign. And I did that all wrong too. But yeah. in 2015, if you send out a couple thousand postcards, you can get a deal, right? Yeah. I mean, that's so, how a lot of my... You know, when I was buying on my own, that's what I did. I knew that for every 3,000 postcards I sent, I could get a house. Yeah. And I knew how much a house would make me. And you know, I just kind of kept doing it. Yeah. You didn't even have to be like particularly good at it because I wasn't like, no, you just throw postcards out there, you get a deal. So I did that and got some wholesaling deals. Okay. So tell me about your first deal. First deal was a one bedroom, one bathroom house in North side of Fort Worth. And uh, the lady, I somehow negotiated. I didn't know what it was worth, man. It was hard to comp. I didn't have MLS access. I got it for like $12,000. And then I put uh, I put my name on the buyer side and her. Okay. No, wait. I put my name on the seller side mm -hmm. and her name on the buyer side. I didn't know how to fill a contract out. And uh, <laughs> I found a guy on Facebook and he's like, man, I got a buyer for that. So uh, I made five grand and he made two grand and that, that's kind of what got me thirsty for more and was that five grand exciting or yeah oh, i mean yeah. to make five thousand dollars just like that i was like dude if if i can do this multiple times a month or make it a little bit more money than five grand mm -hmm. this is crazy right so do you just jump out of your job at that time so my wife was let's see six months pregnant okay and four months pregnant and i had done that deal and one other deal and i told her i said I'm going to quit my job and do this full time. And she was like, okay, I got your back. If you want to do this and you think you can uh, go for it. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen is that I fail and I go get another job. I hate my yeah. job anyways. So I'm like, let's just go ahead and try it and, uh, and see what happens. So, so what was the job that you quit? Like, was it, 
McDonald's flipping hamburgers at $5 an hour? Or was it, I was a corporate executive making 300 G's a year? I was at a corporate office. I was managing a rental department for a forklift dealership. So there, I had seven branches across Texas. I was responsible for, I had like eight employees I was responsible for. Um, I was making a lot of money, but man, I hated it. It was terrible. Every day I'd come over the bridge to go to work there and I'd look at that building and like, I just feel it in my stomach, the anxiety, man. I just hated it. I can, re- I can relate to that. I can relate to it. But uh, I got uninvited to my job, so it was <laughs> easier for me. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was easy, too. Somebody wanted that job way more than I did, yeah. so I let them have it. Yeah. It, it's interesting how I look at jobs differently now than when I was in a job. I don't know. You probably look at it very differently, too. Like, Could you ever get put back into the, the company cage? and back Unemployable, dude. Yeah. I think oh. once you I think once you go, I always use it as a, an analogy of like if you go to the zoo and you see a lion in that cage, and he's been in a cage his entire life. So yeah, he's like cool. He's like, throw me a steak, hang out, roar for the kids every once in a while. And he doesn't have a horrible <laughs> life. I mean, he has everything he wants, right? He has all the food. He is he doesn't have to worry about anything coming up and killing him. I mean, he's got a good life. Yeah. But I have I'm willing to bet money if you let that lion out of the cage and put him out in the savannah and he got to stretch his legs, run around chase things. I think he'd be happier. And I think if you brought him back in the cage, he would go into severe depression and die like that. That'd, or he'd be real, that'd, real mad. Yeah. yeah he right. would never, he would never go back. And so I think that's kind of what it's like in the, in corporate world is like, it's not as, they don't think it's as bad as it is because they've never tasted, I'm going right. to say freedom. So, yeah. I mean, you're right. Once you figure out that the corporate world, you're just trading time for money, right? then you're like, I mean, it doesn't matter how much they pay you. You're still yeah. trading your time for money. And um, there's more to life than, than that for sure. So right. yeah, once you get a taste of it, you're like, I'm not doing that ever yeah. again. Yeah. So you did two deals. You jumped on a limb. You had a kid coming down the pipe mm-hmm. in three months. Yeah. It was stressful. What was, what, yeah. What was it like for the next two years or year? Uh I mean, for, for a while, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have like a mentor. I just listened to like podcasts and books. And I'm like, well, if these guys can do it, I can figure it out. Yeah. Um, but I made a lot of mistakes along the way. Thankfully, I never got to a point where we were broke. We were definitely bouncing on some credit cards for a while there. Right. Yeah. But we uh, we made it through uh, somehow, man, yeah. doing a lot of wholesales and some flips and stuff like that. Well, when you have to make a dollar, you can figure out how to make a dollar. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's the, when you don't have a choice, you do it. And I think a lot of people, you know, when you step out, that's why they say, burn the, burn the boats when you yeah. try to take a shore, like, cause you just make it an option. You can't go back and you, you'll make it happen. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that's how every entrepreneur that has jumped into any sort of venture, mm-hmm. they're just not afraid to take the risk and go all in and right. do whatever it takes to make it happen. Yeah. So from going, so you're doing wholesale deals and I know that's not what you're doing necessarily now. So. What was the progress? What was the progression of your real estate experience? So started with wholesaling a lot of stuff, and I was flipping some houses too. And then as soon as I wasn't bankable, I had been quit, just quit my job. I had uh, one year of experience in real estate, and I really wanted to start holding rentals. I knew like mm-hmm. this is very transactional. I do not like wholesaling houses and having to like schedule and just, I didn't like all the moving pieces. Right. So I was like, how do I hold some of these houses to start building a rental portfolio? Mm-hmm. And I went to my bank and I was like, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. And my banker said, if you find the deal, we'll fund the purchase. If you fund the rehab and we'll give you a loan on it. I'm like, oh that's man. That's the nicest banker ever. I mean, like, that's not normal. It was a, it was a community bank and okay. I had built a relationship with them like over the past, the previous mm-hmm. year and like went in there all the time and knew them. So they knew me and I guess they're just willing to take a chance on me. And man, I'm glad they did. Yeah. 
That, that's impressive because I built my portfolio off of private money loans and what we call DSCR loans, which are you know private equity funds that put together loan programs and it's debt service coverage ratio. So they don't go through the bank underwriting process because as a business owner, you, you know, like you mentioned, unbankable, like it's, I don't look like their ideal owner or client. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. When you have a, d- a bunch of uh, real estate, you have a bunch of write-offs and yeah. all that stuff makes you look not great on paper sometimes, right? Right. So how long did it take before you became comfortable? Like you didn't sweat every morning when you woke up? Man, I, I probably still sweat every morning when I wake up. <laughs> That's the no, pressure. you don't. Because I, I call you all the time and I'm like, and, and you're, no, no, this is the day's my day off. Like I'm going to do something on Thursday, but you know, my Wednesday's off my Friday's lunch with the kids at school. So you're not sweating every day when you wake up anymore. Okay. Well, maybe not as much as I used to, but I still like have the pressure on to keep going. But I think, man, it was until I had 15, 17 mm-hmm. rentals where I'm like, okay, this is like, this can cover not all of my monthly, you know, expenses, right. but most of it where there's a uh, you know, little layer of security there for yeah. doing that. Yeah. So as of right now, we're in a market where interest rates are up, values of homes are up. So there's probably less deals out there. What kind of um, advice would you have to somebody that's kind of looking for either rentals or wholesales right now? And it's a, it's a crazy market right it now. Is. Uh, it's really hard to predict what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. So there's still deals out there. I haven't stopped buying like rental properties, right. um, but I think wholesaling is, is always a safe option in any time of uncertainty. That way you're not stuck with the bag. You know, if, right. if something drops or or interest rates rise, but mm-hmm. I would still be looking for good opportunities that cash flow today. Don't be scared to not buy a deal just because you're afraid of what might or might not happen in the future. Yeah, I, um, I, I remember once. I don't know if I read a book, if I was listening to somebody. Like all the things that people are afraid of, almost none of those ever happen. Like the yeah. the, the worst case scenario never happens. So it, it's and, it's like don't I mean, worry, like don't worry so much. Even if it does happen, we're all screwed. Yeah. So who cares, right? Yeah. Just go for it. I yeah. mean, and, and there's Don't no such crazy. thing as a free education either. I'm always oh. like, if you you learn from everything, your wins, your losses, everything. Absolutely. And if you yeah. don't learn, learn from your losses, then you know it kind of sucks. But if you mm-hmm. learn from them, then that's just like the part of, of learning the business. It's paid education. Hopefully, you didn't get burned too bad. Yeah. So I, I always hear about these people that have paid 50000 for a class, 20000 for a yeah. class. And in today's world with YouTube, there's it, the cost of entry is not anything like it used to be. No way. Anything you want to learn is on the internet. So like, there's no reason for anybody to not to need to pay 50 grand, man. I just like someone wants a roadmap laid out for them, but the best way to learn it is just by doing it yourself and figuring it out. So tell you what, look, what are some of the mentors or people that influenced you early on and then now? Because I know you probably had different mentors early and now you probably got different ones as you progress. Yeah. So early on, it was like, I listened to Sean Terry, his, uh, he was a wholesaler out of Arizona and he had a podcast and it was like 130 episodes on how to wholesale houses. And on the way to and from work, I listened to every one of those episodes to learn that, how to do the business. That was my, my main source of education. And he has a class too, if I remember right. He might. I, and I, I think that's how I got started too on, on postcards. Oh, wow. Sean Terry, he was a Marine or something. Yeah, I think he was. Oh, yeah. 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 So I got caught on some ad or something. I, I, I watched his little tickler video and I'm like, that makes sense. Hey, like $500 buy-in to get all my classes. And yeah, I did the right. $500 and I, I listened to and watched just what I was really interested in. That's how I did my postcards. And then that was it. Yeah. And then I was off, off to the races. It worked, man. That's all like we both needed to get started. Yeah. It was great, yeah. great expense, great education. But now, man, I'm like, 
surrounding myself with people that are where I want to go. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That are at a level that I want to get to. So I'm trying to network with more people that are doing things I want to start getting into. Um, right. So I think always surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you is, is important, right? Right. Yeah. And, and I agree with you on that. I'm a big believer the five people you're around the most is who you become. You know, you're the average of the five that you're around the most. That's why I try to hang out with you and other guys once a month at barbecue restaurant because, I mean, y'all are doing what I want to do either Bro, or, or, or and vice versa. And vice versa you yeah. Know? I, I mean, learn a lot from I, you. Everybody at our table, everybody has a completely different real estate life. Yeah. So I can pick up on things from... Like I don't wholesale, but every once in a while you might have something extra and I might benefit you by taking something off your plate or, or vice sure. versa. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's true. Like also, so not only are they smarter than you or maybe the same intelligence mm-hmm. as you, but doing something different in the same field, like you do property management, I do rentals and then someone else does RV parks and someone else does landing. It's good to have all that brain power just to like talk and, that is, and yeah. figure things out. I, I don't think that restaurant appreciates us as much <laughs> as they should. <laughs> Because I mean, I mean that's a pretty good, good group. We did actually have somebody pay in an auction to come sit and eat lunch and pick our brains. Uh, I missed you that. Didn't, that no, you didn't miss up? that one. Oh. The person didn't show up. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I told was my, there. Yeah, I, I told my wife, "You won't believe this." Somebody th- th- they did a charity auction, and one of the items was to hang out with us for lunch one day and just kind of talk to us. First, my wife didn't even hesitate, and she's like. Some there some about somebody's a sucker or somebody like who would pay for that? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I thought I, I thought somebody would have some value in that, but uh, oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, man. makes so, you feel real good about yourself. It does, it does. <laughs> but, you know, so but that leads on to another question that, that talking about wives and families and kids. Like, how would you say real estate changed your life? Oh man immensely like personally financially everything like just in general like you don't need to get too deep well, i didn't think life could be this good how about that and That's i'm awesome. not saying that like in a bragging way but i get yeah. to do whatever i want with my time every yeah. day so i get to spend i volunteer at my son's school once a week for a few hours and just hang out with him cool. and yeah he's gonna remember that and that's yeah, the man. in him yeah and ultimately life is all about the memories we can create with our family in my opinion that's what i value yeah so if i can spend time with my family and make money doing that, man, that's what life's all about to me. Right. So yeah, it, it's changed everything, yeah. everything. And and you're a volunteer fireman too, right? Yeah. So you're giving back to the community and having fun. Like, I think you're just posting pyro pics. Every <laughs> you don't want me fighting a fire, okay. man. I'm not the dude. I'm the cheerleader for those guys, I guess. But, yeah. Well, you're, uh, you're, you're, you hold the camera that everybody watches on live. Yeah. Stream. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. an important job. Yeah. I mean, I, I put the suit up and I could gear up and go do that. I just, I think there are probably people that are better qualified than me to do that, yeah. but I enjoy that stuff, man. I enjoy volunteering and get involved and in, in meeting people, the community and stuff. So with your real estate investing right now, obviously it's progressed over time. What are, what's something that you've learned that you maybe implemented recently in your investment life that is taking you to the next level? And the power of leveraging rentals and mm-hmm. their equity have, has been like a game changer. So yeah. like stacking up five or seven rentals, that's that's important and you have mm-hmm. to start there. But focusing on getting to a bigger number allows you to do so much more things. When right. you can take a portfolio of rentals and do a cash out refinance and pull out some money and then invest that into something bigger, sure, that's kind of where things start to snowball. I, and so, I think that's so overlooked. Yeah, 100%. I, you, we, you know, we, we have a significant property management company that we manage not quite a thousand houses for people. And I am shocked at the number of very successful people that they just, I want to have that house paid off. I had a lady walk into the office. She gave us 12 houses to manage 
they're all paid off no <laughs> she's like yeah cool like that's it like and she's like i like the money off of them i'm like yeah i would too but you could 50 percent leverage have 24 houses yeah and, and with the taxes and the appreciation and like all of the other things that come along with it would be i mean she doesn't need the money but game changer is what comes to mind to me dude yeah i mean but some people that's important to have it free and clear they yeah. don't want the debt they don't want the stress and i get that but that's kind of one of the most important things of real estate is the mm-hmm. ability to leverage where you can take 200 grand cash and go leverage a million dollars versus like the stock market you take 200 grand cash you got 200 grand worth of right. stocks right maybe yeah i, I mean I, but tweets their own i think that's probably one of my big moments also is understanding the the term debt equity and that the way I've been taught debt equity is the equity that's in the house that you're not really making money off of. It's just there because your house is yeah. going to go up the same amount every year. Your principal payments are going down. Like it's it's just equity. Your return on investment, your return, your cash on cash, it's it goes down, or your return yeah. on investment goes down with the more equity in the property. So skim that out. For one, you're less of a target for lawsuits because you got debt on that property. The other thing is you take that and turn that into another down payment on the next house and start the game all over again with free money, like free money. It was just sitting there doing nothing otherwise. Yeah. Get it out tax free and put it back yeah. into something else. I agree, man. I think I think that's kind of the the part of the rule book is mm-hmm. buy the houses, put and buy a bunch of them, refinance them yeah. every five years or you know whatever and pull that money out and do something else with it do more do more because yeah. i i think there's a there's a point where you know your first few years is really tough because you're just trying to accumulate you don't have the equity you don't really have the cash flow maybe but after that year i don't know five you start really starting to see it and when you look at the spreadsheet you're like oh i might be able to do do something with this and i, I can tell you my portfolio that's when i really that's when things happened, like yeah. like really significantly happened, and you know that's when we get to do the fun stuff. Is when when that kind of that cash builds up. Same man, yeah. That's a uh, that's a game changer right there. So people that uh, miss that part, man, don't miss that. Stack these rentals up, yeah. And it's it is a numbers game. So get as many as you can. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's look through some more of these questions. Um, I think you've done a br- really good at explaining how you balance personal life and your your commitments and. It sounds like real estate's really opened up your life to be able to enjoy it more. So it sounds like to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I love real estate too. So, uh, you know, I get to, I don't have like any hobbies. I don't think, I think it's just work and family. So but I love both of them. Yeah. I, I, people ask me what I do for fun. I'm like, real estate, you know, like, yeah. what do you, you know, like real estate, like real estate. That's the answer to everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I was on a podcast recently and um, they asked me, you know, what's it like going to work every day, you know, managing all these rental houses. I'm like, it's fun. This is what I do. And it's real estate. Real estate's fun. Everything about it, how to, how to make it work and then you can, how you can get a couple more dollars out of a house or yeah. in it because they're listening, but tenants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But there's ways, right? There's ways. Yeah. Protesting your taxes or whatever, shopping insurance, just yeah, ways to find more efficiency. Mm-hmm. And in talking about taxes, I don't think very many people understand the tax burden that they have with the W-2. Oh, you probably yeah. noticed that when you went from W-2 job to real estate, your tax burden went down because every yeah. time you bought a house, that became another depreciable, depreciating asset that you were able to purchase that appreciated, but as far as taxes go, you were able to write that off. Yeah. Um, I did a cost segregation study a few years back mm-hmm. and it's been a while since I've paid taxes, man. Isn't uh, wild? It's crazy. It's crazy. So that is a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we talked about all the pretty fun stuff. Give me an example of a bad experience that you had 
in real estate investing? Do you have any of those? Uh, I'm sure you do. Everybody has something. I've man, had contractors I've, steal from me. I've had a oh yeah. And, oh, that means this, had, this, the, that's the common stuff. Okay, right. yeah, we can go there. Okay. <laughs> that's happened a lot. Well, if you got a good crazy story, I'd like to hear it. Man, if I got anything crazy, uh, I don't know if it's anything crazy, but like my second flip, I hired some guys to do it and they did a terrible job, terrible mm-hmm. and didn't finish. And it was like six months going on and I was not like good at managing contractors. Um, I had to fire them and bring someone else in and pay an extra like 15 grand that I really didn't have to finish that rehab out to get it on the market. That's probably something bad that's happened. And I, I think guess. that is a good point for someone thinking about doing their first deal. A lot of people think they can do everything. They can find the right guy off of Facebook or Craigslist or whatever. And I can tell you, I've seen so many people want to be a real estate investor that that first deal got just burned to the ground by picking the wrong contractors or picking the wrong comps or expectations on a property. I think I think more people need to lean on someone with experience on contractors and instead of just jumping in because everybody thinks they're an expert and they, everybody yeah. thinks real estate's easy too. That's what, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's easy. Like there's a little bit more to it. It ain't easy, man. I mean, it's yeah. easy to do it and like not do it successfully, I guess, but project management is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just keeping a good records of everything you're spending money on for your houses and Good, good bookkeeping, all that stuff is super important that no one really talks about. They talk about wholesale a deal and flip a deal and make 30 grand. Well, that's the easy part, man. Really the hard part is the nuts and bolts underneath the underneath the veil. And I think flipping houses and wholesales, that's the most expensive way to make the money too, is because of the tax thing. Yeah. So if I flipped a house and I make 50 grand, I didn't make 50 grand. No. I got a 50 grand income hit on my taxes and it just it's just not fun. I don't, and I don't, like flipping houses like I used to anymore. Like, no, I prefer just to buy and hold, even though it's, it's a long play and it's short term, it's more painful because it's also, it'd be fun to get the extra 30, 40, 50 grand in your pocket, but I'd rather put it in a house and have it for later on. I agree, man. Like early on, I was, I, that's what my, my mindset was, was like, I could make 40 grand if I sold this house or I could make $400 a month if I keep it. And just knowing that security was what I was after and financial freedom is what stopped me from just flipping everything and making that 40 grand. Cause I don't know where that money be now. It'd be gone, you know? Yeah. So uh, now it's producing money every month and it will forever. Well, it's a, it goes back to that whole delayed gratification piece and, and yeah. human nature doesn't allow us to do that. Like it's just it, very few people have an innate like delayed gratification bug. Most people want it to now, like that they want everything yeah. now, they want that big check now. And they think they have more money if it's in the bank than if it's in the house. And I'm not a very good saver when it comes to like money in my bank because I just keep doing like investments or doing stupid stuff. But I think with me forcing my money into houses, it it sets up my savings on auto draft or yeah. auto pay. So it's like your little piggy banks all over the place, right? Right. Yeah. And that piggy bank pays for the fun stuff. Just, yeah. If you structure it right. So, but yeah, yeah that whole delayed re- gratification, I think that's a, that's the biggest overlooked thing that's keeping people from jumping in. I agree with that, man. I think that people will make that money and they go buy stuff, but instead of that, they should buy assets and let those assets pay for the stuff that you want. Right. If you have enough cash flow from assets that affords you a life, man, then you got it made. Yeah. So that should be what I think everybody should work I on. I think so. I th- I think so too, but we got to have people that keep the machine rolling for us, right? Yeah. And it's not for everybody, man. Yeah. So this, this business is tough at times and mm-hmm. stressful at times. And it's not for everybody. So I get that too. Right. And, and you know, like you jumped out, I got pushed out, but man, I couldn't go back into that life. But I think for a large 
part of the population, that's a that's a comfort thing for them to know that they've got that W two hitting their bank account every two weeks or that's once a, a month, twice a security, month. Security, right? Right. It, it is. It's a security until it's not. It's and, exactly right. Right. But uh, I, I get it. I understand that. I mean, I I grew up in, in an environment where my parents had you know nine to five type jobs, and you don't take it home with you after five o'clock or four o'clock or whatever. So I, I can see the benefit, but uh, man, I just can't live that life. I just the best thing in life. The best things in life always happen when you step outside your comfort zone. Right. So when you like just say. This is really cushy and comfy. And I'm making, if you're making six figures, it doesn't matter. If you step outside yeah. your comfort zone, um, life is going to be way better. Guaranteed. Right. I think the other thing is when people are looking at a real estate investor, they ask, well, how much money do you make on that house per month? And then you tell them, maybe it's $300, maybe it's $400. They're like, ah, that's not worth it. But I always try and tell people, there's, I make money four different ways on every house. At least four ways. You know, I've got somebody, the cash flow, maybe it's a hundred bucks, maybe it's five hundred bucks. I got somebody paying down that mortgage. So to me, that's 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 the same as cash flow to me, because they're yeah, money in my savings account for me. The house is hopefully going up in value. So I got the appreciation and then the tax thing. I mean, that's so overlooked. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And then you've got the freedom to pull that equity out with a cash out refi with no taxes whenever mm-hmm. you want, you know. I, and I think the tax thing, it really that's that's the part people don't understand. 1031 exchanges, like that is the one of the other than cash out refis. That, that's one of the biggest, along with cost segregation analysis. Like those are the biggest financial vehicles that are allotted to us. Oh yeah, the Donald Trump money. I guess is what that. I mean, that's that's why he doesn't pay taxes. If you look at all the wealthy folks, they've all got real estate for yeah. those reasons. You know. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's talk about advice for other people. I think we might have hit on a little bit. So not everybody you said should jump out and go full time. What, what's your advice for the average person that, that may stumble across this conversation? For the average person, you got to become a little above average to make it work, right? You've mm-hmm. got to want it real bad and just be consistent with one thing and be mm-hmm. persistent with that one thing. Like I said, man, that's why I didn't continue on after 2011 when I got pulled over. I was not persistent. I gave up way too easily. Mm-hmm. And I could only imagine where I was would be now if I had those extra four years. So just don't give up. When things get tough and when things don't work, try something else and just mm-hmm. keep on pushing forward. That's what it takes to make make it successful. Yeah. I'm sure your wife had a lot of really good conversations with her mom mom's club group about <laughs> about that. That's a good story. And- I don't she was I'll- on board, man. She, was she? she was always my supporter. That's and awesome. uh, even like when it failed, she was with me. And then when I said, I want to try it again, she was all about it. Really? So yeah, I think that's also important to have like someone that's helping you push forward and like having faith in you. So did she come from a background where a parent was self-employed or something of that nature to where, what about you? No. Did you come from a background where somebody was self-employed? No, my mom. Yeah. My mom was self-employed for a while. Uh, so Maybe that was it. But for me, I just, I always am concerned about what life is going to be like for me when I'm 65 years old. Yeah. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall at corporate America. I'm like, my retirement is going to suck if I stay yeah. here for the next 40 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's why I decided to get into real estate really is to make a change for my future and my kids' future. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but my entire life, I guess I looked at my great grandparents and they didn't have really anything like they didn't i mean they they i don't know they didn't have extra i mean they then you know they just didn't have anything yeah. and um i've just always worried in the back of my mind like scared to death that i would be old and not have anything like yeah as long you know other than maybe owning my house I, i've always been scared about that because i same and yeah. that's i've always worked out of that whole like in 30 years what's going to happen to me because I, I just don't want to be the a drain on my kids at all. And I want to educate my kids on how not to become 
what I see so many other people out there doing as far yeah. as not having. I think like that fear mentality that you and I both have is probably not like the healthiest thing, but it, yeah. I mean, that's what drives me. I, yeah. I'm right there with you. I don't well, want to be I, on social security. And, and you know, I don't know where that comes from. I, I know that when my, when I was in third grade, I went to three different third grades and it would have been four because my dad worked in the oil field. That's oil for some people, oil field for me. And, <laughs> and I guess that was when we had a, a, a tank a market, the oil field went down and he was fortunate enough that they let him keep a job, but it wasn't there. And we had to move all the way down to South Texas. And he was there for a couple of months. I just started to learn anything in Spanish to where I could even somewhat associate down there. And then we wow. got moved to Oklahoma and then he got another notice that they're doing another layoff. One, two, three, so that have been three layoffs that he survived and we we're going to go somewhere else. Wow. And then he's like, no, can't do it. And then so that's when he went. We went back to the East Texas, and he was able to get a job there. But I think seeing that happen and not have that stability and know that somebody could yank me up and put me somewhere else or cut me off, I think that made a long. I think it made a long term impact on me to some level. One hundred percent. That's yeah. what impacted you, man. If you saw that, like somehow that was deeply rooted in in your mindset as, at a young age, right? So yeah. that explains. I think a lot of people. I, I came from like nothing from. You know, yeah. trailer park, nothing. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm like a lot of entrepreneurs have the same thing where they came from nothing. They're like, I'm never going back there. Yeah. And and I think a lot of, I've seen this a lot and, and we may want to edit this for PC reasons, but a lot of the people that have nothing, when they get that $5,000, $20,000 wholesale check, they go out and buy the cool fun truck or the something. And then they just don't know how to manage money. And, yeah. and so they never get out of that, that cycle. So what was it that real estate, what was it that drew real estate to you? Mm, financial freedom, man. The ability to have passive income. How'd you find out? Like, how how did you even know that was a thing? Do you remember Carlton Sheets? Yeah, I mean, I, I never watched, watched him or anything. Oh, my mom had like the VCR tapes, and uh, when I was like twenty years old, she sent mm -hmm. that to me. She, she was hers. It was old. She's like, here, watch mm -hmm. this, and I watched it. I'm like, there's something to this guy, man. This okay. no money down thing. So that's kind of what got me. I had no interest in real estate until right. I just watched that randomly. I think I was probably drinking beer watching that, uh -huh. and uh, that kind of got me the bug. So my, my family, bankers, school teachers, that's just kind of what my mom and dad were while I was growing up. And so those are the most stable jobs. Like yeah. when do the school teachers get laid off? Like that doesn't right. happen or like, cause he went from being in the oil field to like, let's go to the school teaching. Cause I don't have to worry about my getting let go. He has a pension. So that's pretty cool. But, and then my yeah. mom did the banking thing. I mean, that's, that's there. So to me, I didn't have that. I just knew that I wanted to be a business owner. Um, I just wanted to be in control. I wanted to like make decisions that impacted me and my family. And I remember I was at A&M right before I was graduating. I did five years. I did the victory lap thing. It took me a little longer. <laughs> I worked in a sorority house, so I had no incentive to graduate early. Oh yeah. You're but, having a good time. Yeah. And so my mother sent me two books. One book was Millionaire Next Door. And she sent me that because it, it teaches all about delayed gratification and like saving up for tomorrow and not living beyond your means and all, or living within it, you know, that sort of thing, which is all the yeah, that banker's going to tell you that. And then the other book, and I asked her later, like, you sent me this book, and she had never read the book. I don't think she would have sent me the book if she hadn't, if she had read it. Oh man! And it was the Rich Dad Poor Dad from Robert Kiyosaki, which is oh man, that's that's outside the box for a for a banker because for sure that's their clients, of course, but that's not a banker's mentality on creating something and and leveraging like leveraging like that's that's not something that you would want to do. I mean, no. You, you do it when you're desperate, right? No. Yeah. But uh, you know, learning how leverage work and how how incomes and, and 
and expenses work and how assets, you know, they tell you all the stuff about assets in that book, but they don't line up with what they tell you in an accounting class at AM. Oh yeah. Like the whole 100%. like I've got a I got a nice truck sitting in the parking lot and you know, I could say, Hey, that's an asset, but I look at it as a liability because I read the book and I'm like, no, it cost me money to drive that thing. Yeah. It doesn't make me money. And all the rental houses make me money. And, you know, what I have in the, maybe the stock market makes me money on dividends and things of that nature. But, you know, the whole income and expenses and assets and liabilities, that was eye opening, especially the second book on cash flow quadrant. I mean, that one, that was a shocker. And I think once you read those books, I mean, you're ruined. Like it's, yeah. you look at every, the whole world. It's like taking the, was it the red pill instead of the blue pill? Yeah. In the Matrix. <laughs> Can't I, go back. I took the red pill and I'm, I, and I look at everything very differently now as a result of that. But yeah, that ruined me. That ruined me for, for corporate world real quick. Those are good books, man. Great books. Yes. What do you want to add to this? What am I missing? If I had a piece of advice to give to my younger self, uh, it would just be to never give up. And that's so important to me that I tattooed it on my arm, man. So did you really? I absolutely did. <laughs> I show my kids that and because I mean, they give up yeah. on stuff and I'm like, hey, never give up. Never give yeah. up. The only way to get better at something is to keep on trying. Um, I wish I would have told my younger self that just to right. keep going, even when it gets hard. Yeah. I'm not really a tattoo kind of guy because I've always figured once I got that tattoo, my taste is going to change or something's going to change. But I can say that's going to be something that would never go out of style. Like it shouldn't. Yeah. yeah it I, shouldn't. I had a hard time with tattoos. I got my first one like two years ago and then kind of went from there. But there are all things that are symbolic of things that are important in my life that right. have meaning. So they aren't going to change. Never going to change. No. Right. Yeah. It's not going to be that ex-girlfriend from when you're 19 years old or something. <laughs> Right. No, sir. I did not make that drunken mistake. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. So what what's what's in the pipe? What's your next thing? So we we talked about your your wholesaling. Now you got your rentals. What's your next big? Are you just going to keep accumulating, and that's going to be the end of your story, or is there something bigger, better down the road? There's probably something bigger and better down the road. But right now, I, I won't stop ever probably buying houses. It yeah. just it seems too easy. It's kind of like almost an autopilot, not entirely. Right. But I am at the point where I'm like, this is kind of boring now. So what's right. next? I so I'm working on some other stuff. Uh, right. One of them is going to be property management training for people that self-manage their own rental portfolio. So and and I'm super excited about that. And you know, my story is I got into property management really right out of college because that's when I bought my first rental pro- pro- property. And then uh, when I left that job, that one I quit. I quit that job. Nice. And um, shouldn't have, but I did. And I was like, what am I going to do? Because I didn't really have a plan. I quit the job because I got really cheap airline tickets to France. I don't know if I, told oh, you I remember the story. <laughs> yeah, so I got a really good deal, and I'm like, oh, I got to use this spot in three weeks. I quit, <laughs> and then and then good I got decision. back, and then I got back, and I'm like, crap, like it's not as easy to get a job as I thought it was. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I going to do? And uh, I just started rental. I got a real estate license. I started helping people buy duplexes, and then I would manage them. So I I would rent the houses. I'd buy the houses for them, rent them out for them, and then manage it. Because I figured I'd get that residual paycheck and get a couple of checks to kind of pay my bills. And it worked a little bit. You know, I was broke. I was always broke. But it was that's how I got into it. And back then, man, I didn't know what I was doing. And I don't know what they were thinking trusting me with those houses either. (laughs) I didn't do anything right. I remember... I, I didn't do anything right. I didn't, they, but there was no training at that time, like early 2000s. Yeah. Oh, man, no. The internet was there, but it wasn't, Not it like wasn't it there today. for that. It was there for yeah. Amazon books, kind of, and that was it. Yeah. So I made all the mistakes. I had no idea what I was doing. When I was doing statements, it was printing it off of a program. I got on a CD ROM that didn't, it, it was very archaic 
by oh, our standards. Man. So I had no idea what I was doing. And but there's no classes like that. There was none. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a lot of value in that. I think there's a lot of people out there that buy. But right before this podcast, I had a gentleman walk into my office that come to town from California, moved here to Texas. They bought, I think, seven houses at one time. And so when I met him, it was at a, a neighborhood Halloween neighborhood party, like everybody's party and everybody's got their golf carts out and having a good time. And nice. I met, that's how I, I met him through that. And his wife has a, a really good professional job. And then I said, oh, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, I oh, just take care of our rental houses. And uh, I'm like, that sounds like a, a lot or something. And, and, you know, it was. And then, you know, a few months later, they're like, hey, Kyle, I think you could help us out on these, this. We got a bad tenant. And then uh, so we got that tenant out. I walked into the house. When we have a house that we have a tenant move out of and we got to clean it up, it's not a big deal. 99% of the time, it's like maybe paint. It's, there's some little things here and there, but we're watching yeah. the tenant while they're in there. We do a really good job scrutinizing them. It was an over $40,000 make <gasps> ready. That tenant oh busted cabinet doors, two refrigerators in the property, nice ones. One of them had the doors off. Oh my gosh. So you, and they were all had food in them. Everything was turned oh, off. The 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 flooring had been all it was, they used laminate floors, which you know not to do. Yeah. And it was all poofed up around it everywhere. Like doors had holes in them, paint on walls. It was a bad place. 40 Dude. grand. You, you gotta do a lot for 40 grand. Oh yeah. And um he needed your class. <laughs> that. For sure. Yeah, but I mean there's so many things that you've learned that a new investor doesn't know yet because you know, a lot of what we learn is from past experience. And I would rather have learned off of your experience because I'm sure you've had some of bad experiences. For I'd sure. rather learn from somebody else than on me. And I, I'm just, I'm happy I didn't cause somebody $40,000. Oh, man. In, in real. When I wasn't doing a very good job managing back then. But uh, now we've got, you know, all these processes and resources. So people like you, there's really not a, a very many self management programs out there. So I think you're going to have a lot of opportunity to, kind of educate a lot of people and make a few dollars at the same time. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm passionate about it. And I think I've figured out not everything, but I mean, a lot, a lot of this stuff. So I hope I can share some of the people. Well, the, the, what I tell people is you may not like maybe a new employee, like you're not an expert to me because I know a little more, but you're an expert to the person sitting across the table from you that you know more. So the expert is yeah. the person that knows more than the other person. You know a lot more than the vast majority of the population out there. So you absolutely have a lot to educate people or to provide. And so when this is live, because this is going to be on YouTube, all those places. So nice. I'll, I'll, I'll put it down there somewhere so that when somebody says, hey, I want to, you know, Jason mentioned how to not have a big, huge mistake in property management, <laughs> then I'll have a link to that down there. Yeah, leanlandlording.com. Leanlandlording.com. That's a good one. Yep. That's Thanks. a good one. Yeah. yeah. It took me yeah. Uh, a few tries to see which domain was available, and that's the one I landed on. And I think it's important to let people know that real estate investing is not scary, and no. it will absolutely change your life. And I think in the most, for the most part, in a positive way, Yeah, if it's done right, it will be in the positive way. And it's not something that you have to go full-time. You can do it. Just buy a house every once in a while. For sure. And, and I want people to realize that it's not scary. Yeah. We have this scary stories every once in a while, but you know, in the whole scheme of things it's not, but I, I want people to know that it's attainable and it's, it's something that's available to everybody. Cause what I've learned is I read too much and I'm going to say I read, but it's really, I listen to those aud audibles cause I'm a, I like those too. Yeah, yeah. I'm driving all the time. Yeah. And there was a report that I did read this report is all these big private equity companies sponsored a research paper on residential income properties, single families in the United States. 
this is when they were first buying up everything, you know, American Homes for Rent, all the Progress, oh, yeah. all those, all those companies. And they were trying to figure out what the market size was out there and what did it look like? And the vast majority of single family homes at the time and still are is single, like individuals own them, like just like you and your wife own rentals, me and my wife own rentals, you know, individuals. Yeah. And then there's the people that own like five to 10. And then there's people that really own more. You know, I think they, I don't, they didn't call them wells, but they were like significantly life, like that's their livelihood is having rental properties. And they also went to all these people and they're like, hey, so you own one house. Tell me about it. And then the response was, it's the best investment I have. All of the investments, my rental house, I only have one, but that's my best investment. And you know, they got the 401k, they got whatever, like, but that rental house is my best investment. And so they followed up that question with, if that's your best investment, why don't you have more? And their answer was, and this is why this podcast is it, their answer was, because I don't, I don't know how to get more. Mm. And to you and to me, that's like, that's not a problem. Like that's an easily answered solution. Like, Absolutely. Like we could answer that problem in an hour, an hour. We could cash out refi, turn that into another 1031 exchange, that into another property. Like there's so many things that we could do to solve that problem for somebody. But the vast majority of the people, they only owned one and they thought it was their best investment and they don't have more because they don't know how to. And I I think that says a lot. I mean, out there. And I think that's where I think a podcast like this, I don't have anything to sell. I mean, I'm not here to, this is because I'm having fun. I'm, you know, I don't want to be bored. I mean, I have a good company. I got things going on, but I think what what's shocking to me is so many people just don't think that they can own real property or buy rental property, or if they do, how to take it to the next level. And I think you mentioned it earlier in the conversation where how you learned how to take what you got to make get more as far as rental yeah. houses, you know, leveraging, refinancing, and all that. And people don't understand how that works. So that's something that gets me kind of jazzed on like educating people. And nobody wants to talk to me when I'm hanging out at the grill in a neighborhood because nobody wants to talk about business because that's what all I talk about. But at least I get you on here and you know I got you captive and we can talk about it. Maybe somebody will <laughs> like tune talk in. talking about real estate? That's all I talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, man. My wife gets tired of it, I'm sure, but yeah. it's all good. Well, you got her to get a real estate license. So that's, that's a yeah. that's props. I didn't want to have to like disclose that I was a licensed agent to yeah. homeowners. Um, still got to disclose it, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I've got a license. Of course, I got a private management company, so I kind of have to for, have the brokerage. But I don't mind. I mean, I'll 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 make the lowball offers, but I completely disclose everything. I tell them, yeah. hey, if I was listing your house, this is what I'd list it at. If I was going to rehab it, this is how much I was going to pay. This is what I'm hoping to get if I sold it or yeah. refinance. This is what I'm hoping to appraise. I'm completely transparent on everything. I'm like, hey, I hope to make X amount of dollars in this house if I sell it or whatever. You know they how many ta- you know how many times that bothered them? Yeah, probably none. None. Yeah. No, they're like, okay, so you're able to buy my house next week as it is with the hole in the roof, with the the see-through the walls, the cabinets busted up, and I don't have to fix anything, and I don't have to wait on a bank appraisal, and you're just going to close on this in like four days, five days? Yeah. yeah. They're like, where do Solving I sign? Problem. Where do I sign? And I mean, I give them comps. I mean, I show them everything, and that's never, bu- that's never been a problem. They never already know what it's worth. Everybody yeah. knows like what, what their houses are worth nowadays yeah. with the power of Zillow and all that mm-hmm. stuff. People have an idea. Yeah. So it's just never been a never been a challenge. But um, I have tried to send your wife some referrals for buyers and sellers, and she's like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> She's picky about what she takes on. She's busy, well, man. She might be picky on where it comes from. It's like, if Kyle's giving it to me, <laughs> maybe so. it's not worth it. <laughs> no, it's because I'm too, 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 too lazy to drive out there and show them houses. So uh, but, she's yeah. got, man, she's got a full time job taking care of our two boys. So yeah. she stays busy enough with that. I, I don't know how moms that, that have jobs do it. Oh, I don't either, man. Yeah. Oh, my, my wife gosh. has a full time job taking care of our two and the house. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. 
that is a lot of work. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's it. I've got. I, I appreciate everything, man. And uh, Thanks, buddy. maybe the next time we have a charity auction, somebody wants to come to our our launch, they'll they'll show up after. They will see. Knowing yeah. that we're you're famous for being on a podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. All right.